I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. Sinking those cleats into the ground. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? All right, full disclosure. I've not seen game one of the finals. No spoilers, uh, guys. No, no spoilers. <laughs> I did hear the writers jacked it up, but... Uh, <laughs> I uh, I had another work function tonight, so I do I have seen a box score and, and all that stuff. So okay, if if I'm asking asking you, what's the biggest takeaway from this game, from game one? That I'm very smart because I picked Pascal Siakam as my key for uh, the Raptors, and he had 32. Oh, okay. So I got twofold on one. I picked the Raptors to win game one, but I did pick Golden State to win the next three. So I could get really, I, I couldn't like feel really stupid after that. But um, also, if you listen to a pod two days ago, I was very adamant of saying, you know what I think could happen? I think that Draymond and them could take Siakam out of the series, and that Siakam it will be young and it, he just won't like be up for the moment. He could be a little rattled. Obviously, I mean, I haven't seen the game. Just looking at a box score, obviously I look completely wrong on that. And that's awesome because I love Siakam. I mean, but that that's not something to be, you know, upset that you're wrong about because he, I mean, he came out and he had a breakout game. I mean, he was hitting above the break threes and like all this stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, like he hit, he hit two top of the key threes in the first half and he hadn't hit one of those since like October. <laughs> Dang. Not October. Well, that's, that's exaggeration. But he hadn't <laughs> hit one in a while. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so he was just doing a, like a bunch of stuff that we just didn't expect from a guy who's first time in the finals, and he came out. Um, Wait, did Jordan Bell start? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's let's set this up today on the podcast. We will talk about game one of the finals. We will give the the box score take from Isaac, and we'll give the watch the game take from me. <laughs> and then uh, we're gonna try to get to some free agent profiles. Uh, we'll definitely get to, to Julius Randle, and then we may do Miritich as well uh, on this podcast as well. But you guys know how we do, and sometimes we plan too much and talk way too much about other things. So hmm. don't get mad at us if we don't get to both of them. So Isaac, man, so the Raptors win game one, obviously. Sorry about the spoilers. And it's the Siakam game. That's what everyone's calling it. 32 points, eight boards, five assists. He said he had, awesome. a, he had a great game transition buckets. He was scoring one on one against Draymond in the post. Wow! I mean, just like doing stuff that you did not expect from him, and so that's, that's why awesome. I don't think that it was it was a bad take that you said he could get taken out because he he just came out to play. He is just so good around the rim. He has the length. He has the footwork. His little quickness, and he's so good at these awkward like finishes around the rim, even in transition where they give him the ball and he jumps and you're like, oh dang! For any other player. They jumped too late, and so he's not going to be able to get there because he jumped too late, and so he's already flying out of bounds. But he just like takes his like Mr. Fantastic arm, kind of like Giannis does a little bit, but even more so like awkward jumping, and he just, just throws it right into the basket, almost like he's – it's almost as if 
he's playing pop a shot at like Dave and Buster's or something. <laughs> and he's just long enough that he can like lay it in, but he has to stay that far away from the basket because of like the barrier <laughs> yeah. there with, with the ball return. He was really good. The other player that was really good that I did not expect, Marcus All. Mark, we, we underestimated Marcus All. He came out to play. This is his first finals. And this is, for, I mean, he hasn't been to the Western Conference finals since, when was that, 2013? When he was with Grit and Grind? Gosh, that was a while ago. That was the last time he was in a, a really big game like these. And so I thought that maybe the Warriors would be able to, to play him out. I don't know if they have enough like wings and guards to be able to make that work because anytime anytime that they were trying to isolate Marcus All, no one else was caring about anyone on the floor except for Steph and Clay. And so then all of a sudden you have, you know, Iguodala and Draymond and you know Looney or somebody or Jordan Bell even who started, and then they're like, We don't care about these guys. We're just gonna focus on Steph and Clay. And it did doesn't create as much space as when you have a you know, like a, a, a KD or even like a Harrison Barnes out there. I think as long as KD is not playing in the series, Gasol should be able to play because that means they're going to have to have probably Looney or Jordan Bell or Cousins or somebody like that on the floor. If one of those guys are on the floor, then that means Gasol can be on the floor. Yeah, it changes the dynamic for him for sure. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I don't. Nick, somebody tweeted at me. It's like, hey, Marc Gasol's not getting you know played off, and I, I, I was a huge fan of that Toronto trade since. The moment they made it happen, I think I'm pretty sure it's Brian Windhorst that I listened to in the post trade deadline uh, podcast that they did, and I'm pretty sure it was him. Could be wrong, not to put him on blast or anything, but I just remember one of those big ESPN guys being like, "That's just like he said." I just don't remember. I don't see this trade doing anything. Like, who cares about this trade? Mark Gasol's kind of looked bad at Memphis, and uh, don't they didn't think that was going to be a big difference maker for the Raptors? And that sounds more like a Simmons take, but. I could, yeah, I could see that for sure. Bill Simmons goes on those big swings either way, where he's like, "This guy won't matter." But I Marcus, just love the thing about Marcus. All that was so good in this is the, the trapping of Curry. Curry could not break the double teams anytime hmm. Curry was guarded by either Lowry or Danny Green or somebody, and Gasol came over to trap when they were they were trying to to set a screen and get Gasol switched on him. They just trapped Curry, and he he couldn't get out of the, these double teams, which was. Kind of surprising. He had one play where he tried to wrap around pass around Gasol, and he just took his huge arm. Like Gasol's arms are just very big, and he just completely blocked the ball, and then he got a jump ball out of a pass out of a double team. It's just the craziest thing. Um, I love the finals, man. I, I love. These I'm super games. happy for Mark Gasol. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Siakam. Kawhi Leonard didn't have to do a ton. He had 23 points, which is not a ton. He only took 14 shots, which is like not a ton for him. Well, see that that that's the thing because going into the finals, I mean, if you one, I picked Golden State in six. I think Toronto's gonna win a couple, and I, I could be you know could be wrong. Like, there's a world in which Toronto could win, but I feel like most people who are picking Toronto, like if you pick Toronto to win the series or even go six or seven games, you're probably in the back of your mind saying, "Hey, whatever game Toronto does win, you're probably looking at like 35 at least from from Kawhi. Like it's gonna it's gonna take Kawhi single handedly carrying this team to win. And the fact that he only had 23 points tonight, that's what's that's what's remarkable. And I heard, I heard this on a pod. Uh, I don't, I can't remember what pod it was, but they made the comparison <laughs> to the Mavs 2011 and like Kawhi being the Dirk. Yeah, and you know, and the coincidence of Dirk in 2011 facing this Miami team that had, you know, a stacked all-star, you know, multiple all-star team, loaded team, super team. Without a lot of depth. 
with yeah, without a lot of depth, and then you got this you know this one guy you know in Dirk with you know a great you know surrounding cast around him, but it, it's it's a mainly one guy in Dirk who's had an incredible playoff run, and how the similarities between this one guy and Kawhi his playoff run, and um, I think it's a little bit different because I think I would, well, I don't want to go down that whole path of like which supporting cast would you take, for oh for the the Mavs or. Th- Kawhi's Raptors teammates or Dirk's 2011 teammates? Dang, I might. I think I take Dirk though, because you get you get Sean Marion, you get Jason Kidd, the veteran point guard, you get JJ and Jason Terry, Tyson yeah. Chandler, Tyson Chandler and Marcus All might be equal at this point. Tyson yeah. Chandler probably bad. I'm probably not giving him enough credit, but offensively, Marcus All gives you that stretch three, so that adds a whole element to your game. Siakam Theoretically, and, you look at it and say Kyle Lowry should be the best team out of all of them because he was a, quote, all-star. I, in my, in <laughs> but, my Dawkins video I made today about Pascal Siakam, the question I asked at the very end, I always do a, I always do a comment question. I said, do you think that Pascal Siakam is already the Raptors' second-best player, or is it still Kyle Lowry? And I, well, I, I think th- it's Siakam. I think I'm there. I think I'm there already with Siakam. I mean, he's just – the way he stepped up, I'm not – I'm not over – I'm not – overreacting to the first game but because of this game i mean it adds something for sure that he can step up in a game like this but the, from what if i see from him in the out, playoffs if siakam's out who do they replace him with if siakam is out yeah oh, because if kyle dang. lowry goes out fred van vliet's <laughs> in right uh yes yeah, so you're talking you're just talking about replacement player uh i don't really have one i mean I, yeah Ibaka. that's what that's what I'm saying. I think Siakam means more to their team than Kyle Lowry, and it's not a it's not really a knock against Lowry because I feel like he gets too much hate than what he you know what he should. But this super impressive win for the Raptors. You know, I obviously haven't seen the game, but just the fact that if you are rooting for the Raptors and you are a Raptors fan, you're super encouraged by this. That Kawhi with 23 points and you know you pull off game one. That's big time. I mean. Put aside Drake. Drake's an idiot, but I mean, it's a fun, fun basketball game. There's too much Drake complaining. People complain about Drake too much. How much did I? I, I took up for him when it came to the Bud thing. I don't care. Like Drake, I, I, Drake as an entity is more popular than the NBA. No. Yes. No. He has more Twitter, Twitter, and Instagram followers than the entire NBA. He gets more people. Entire NBA. You want to come more than LeBron and everybody combined? I think he might have more than LeBron. Well, like if you combine LeBron, KD, Steph. Okay, but now you're overlapping people at this point. Well, I thought you said the whole NBA as a whole. Okay, he has 57 million Instagram followers. Hey, Bronny Jr. just got a million in 24 hours. The NBA has 37 million Instagram followers. I don't know if that's really. LeBron has 49. So Drake has 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 eight more million Instagram followers than than LeBron does. He is okay. he is more well, you said popular. The NBA as a combined, I think the NBA as a as a league is okay. way more popular With, than. Okay, Drake. then fine. I'll restate it. Among every, he is the most popular entity. He's more popular than any entity that the NBA has. Yeah, out of any single person, yes. And so everyone's saying, oh, there's too much pe- too many people are talking about Drake. He is the most popular thing. He is popular to people outside of NBA. And right now, like Mike Breen went on, on Dan Patrick this week, and he said, the first time that I did the NBA Finals, the producers told me, hey, you need to dumb it down a little bit because the majority of our, of our audience doesn't watch every single game. They're not locked into, like, league pass and all this stuff. They're just, 
you know, like my parents. My parents watch, you know, a game here or there during during the season, but then they'll watch every single game of the finals. Um, we've always they've always done that, and like you kind of have to dumb things down a little bit. And so these big storylines that we hear over and over again, this may be the first time that people like my parents are hearing again. So Mike Breen said that he had to dumb stuff down and, and go back and. He, he said he dumbed it down a little bit too much in his first finals. He said, all right, now he got fouled, so he's going to go to what they call the free throw line. And, <laughs> and they're like, uh, maybe not that far. Hubie Brown looked over at him like, uh, no. No, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind Drake, like, for him being a super fan. I appreciate it. I wish we had more of, like, super fans like that. I think that is cool to yeah, extent. Every team needs to hire one. Where I where I have my problems with it is when, especially when it comes to team success, that it's more about Drake than the team. To where if like the Raptors won the finals and they're the cameras more on Drake than the actual team, or the parade is more about Drake than the actual Raptors. Like that's where the, I get I'll I have a little bit more issue when that happens. How many? He's how more many interesting games? than any of the Raptors. The Raptors oh, as a team do not have that many interesting people in it. Draymond is an Pat, interesting Pat Mc... person. Clay has become an interesting person because we've we've heard about him for so it's long. It's close. Lynn Sanity? He's not even playing. You can't, you it can't doesn't even... matter. No, he's it not. doesn't matter. It's Lynn not even Sanity. Close. Oh my gosh. That's the <laughs> no, worst take you ever had. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, how many ga- how many games is Drake at, at next year when Kawhi leaves? <laughs> Hey, he'll be there for NBA MVP, Spicy P, Pascal. I hope everybody calls him out on it next year when Kawhi's in L.A. Hey, but you know what? He doesn't care. (laughs) He's not going to hear all No, he doesn't. But I just think I just want to know how funny it would be, how many home games he's at next year when Kawhi's in L.A. When Kawhi's going to the Clippers because they bought his logo and because they're – That's wild. They've done some crazy stuff. I love that. So, I love if you didn't hear story. about that story, the Clippers went to Nike and tried to purchase. Like, apparently, there's a certain amount of Kawhi's nickname, the Claw, that they yeah. have like patented or trademarked or whatever it is. And so, they're trying to buy those rights so that they can put it in their pitch meeting to say, "Hey, we can give you the rest of the rights to your <laughs> your nickname." I mean, that is just it's freaking insane. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, Does Game One change your thoughts? Any how the series will play out? You picked Golden State in what? I, th- I picked them in five. Ooh. So this could, if this is gonna if they're gonna do that, they have to pull off the douchebag sweep. Ooh. It doesn't because it felt like the Warriors could at, at still even you know I'm very excited for the Raptors, but I still felt like the Warriors could win this game in the fourth quarter with like three minutes left. Okay. And if they get a couple runs, a couple guys hitting more shots here or there, then they get. I mean, then they win the game. <laughs> it's just, it's the the margin for error against the Warriors is so small. Even a nine point lead, you're like, all right, that's three shots. <laughs> yeah. If, if Golden State loses Game Two, do we see Durant in Game Three? Uh, I don't think they're going to take the approach of of panicking and putting him in there. I think they really, I think they're really going to just take it how healthy he is. And I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. He, yeah. Has he done on court stuff yet? Are we no, are we there know. now? They now there are two two days between games like this, yeah. so it's not like we're doing every other night kind of deal, which is kind of crazy. So they don't play again until what Sunday? So they have Friday yeah. and Saturday off. Yeah. So, all right. Well. We'll talk more about the finals, I'm sure, but let's uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's get in. Let's talk about some Julius Randle. But before we do that, the Himalaya app, guys, 
If you're not subscribed, like uh, our uh, one of my new followers on Twitter, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, it is weird to listen and not be subscribed. So subscribe to the podcast. On the Himalaya app, if you haven't downloaded it yet, it's a new way to listen to podcasts. You can export all of your podcasts from your old uh, podcast players. And you need to go follow us on the Himalaya app. Follow Locked On Mavs on the Himalaya app. Right now, among all the Locked On entities, the Locked On podcasts, we are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th. We are 10th among all of them. All the NFL, all the National NBA, all the MLB, all the college, all of them. We have 111 followers right now. We are four behind the Locked On Lakers. We have to beat them. We have to beat Locked On Lakers. And we were at 69 like two pods ago. So I know that there's more of you out there that listen that can can go follow. So go follow us on, on the Himalaya app. And also, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Maybe go to Toronto for game for game two and get rewarded. All right, Isaac. So Julius Randle, we haven't talked about him in a while, but he was a really hot name last year. And all he did this year was go and what did he average, like 20 and 10? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he had a pretty good year that was pretty quiet because of all the Anthony Davis stuff. Uh, how are you feeling right now just about Julius Randle, maybe his fit with Dallas? Yeah, so, I mean, it feels like for a while now people have tried to connect him to Dallas because, you know, he's from the area. His mom um, – I actually met his mom through Nike because I used to work for Nike uh, for a while, and uh, she's a super nice lady. You know, just all Dallas roots in here, here in Dallas. When he comes back to Dallas, it seems like he has an incredible game every time he plays the Mavericks here in Dallas. And uh, so naturally, people want to try to connect the dots. And could he uh, come play for the Mavs? And we it looks like we could get that opportunity um, uh, with his contract because. He has a player option for next year at nine million dollars for you know right at nine million, and that he has to you know choose. And obviously they're getting Zion. Uh, what does that look like? Uh, can they convince him to opt into that deal? Uh, he probably, I you know, I would say that he's probably going to opt out because I think he could get a little bit more money on the market, maybe get a long term deal somewhere. Um, but Joyce Randall's just twenty four years old. Um, I feel like sometimes, even when you look at him, compare him to Dwight Powell, you know, Powell's three years older than, than Julius Randle. And, you know, at 24 years old, you just averaged 20 and 10, uh, for well, he averaged 20 and eight, 21 and eight this past season. Um, 21 and eight this past season, um, at 24 hitting the open market. I think somebody will come, you know, paying him. I don't think nobody's going to be paying him like $20 million, but I think it'll be a little bit, you know, a little bit of raise up from the 9 million. As far as his fit in Dallas, I think he, I think it really, I know I brought up Dwight Powell. I think you got to ask the question of, is he too redundant of to, or to Dwight Powell? It's a good question. And does um, it matter? He's a way better rebounder than Dwight Powell. He's a better scorer. He's a better ball handler. Uh, For sure. You get All three him, of those, you, yes. You, you can get him in that role man kind of kind of role, though, the same way that – pun intended, role man role, the same way that Dwight Powell does. He would be an awesome backup five. Starting him at five, though, 
And if you sign him, you probably end up starting him. That's where you get kind of weird with Porzingis and, and Julius Randle. You could get away with it probably against most teams, but against your, you know, the teams that we always mention, the teams like the Timberwolves, teams like the Sixers, teams like uh, wherever Anthony Davis goes, you, you have to have somebody to guard them. And Julius Randle's not going to be able to guard them. He's like 6'8", 6'8", 6'9". Porzingis is too small. Uh, that's where you come into these, these issues during the regular season. Playoffs? Yeah. Those two can play next to each other in the playoffs, I think, for sure. Yeah, 6'9", 250. Uh, he he can bang strong, with some yeah. – Yeah, he is a super strong guy. When it comes to rebounding, Dallas definitely needs rebounders. <laughs> you know, that, that, is, that was a – uh, a weakness last year of not having enough people to to rebound the basketball, and Julius Randle's definitely going to go get the rebounds. And I, if Randle is given uh, starters minutes or extended minutes in Dallas, I guarantee you he's going to lead the team in rebounds and probably get over ten a game. Uh, the question is, yeah, the fit what Porzingis when you face somebody like a Jokic, uh, a um, uh, Joel Embiid, you know the the big bodies is Randall the type that you, you know you could throw down there and bang. This goes into why I don't want to go off on a super big tangent on this at all. So like stop me on this, but uh, there was a lot of discussion about Capella and stuff online today with, with Mavs fans and just kind of looking <laughs> through it stuff. I don't want Porzingis banging against some of these big centers all the time. So, and I don't think that is a. Uh, an ideal situation. I think having having the um, versatility or flexibility to be able to put Porzingis at the five is great uh, for end of game situations. But I think we'll we would head down a, a dangerous path if Porzingis is your permanent all the time five banging down low with all of these guys. But yeah, and we've talked about this in the in the regular season that they need a, they're going to need a guy like that. Um, to be able to, to take the, the punishment, you know? Um, yeah. That's what, when we talked about Steven Adams, the possibility of OKC moving on from him, that he would be a good plan. Uh, they mm-hmm. would have to have a different a different look in the playoffs that doesn't include Steven Adams, that plays Porzingis at the five, and that's where you can. There's not a ton of, like, in this game, in, this, in game one of the finals, even though Mark Gasol was out there, there's not a ton of banging down low with guys. I mean, they're taking tons of threes. The rebounds are going way out far past, the, you know, the three-point line, and you're not posting up anybody the only the only guy that's really doing stuff down low is siakam and he starts all of his stuff at the three-point line <laughs> and drives in and you know, yeah. does his spins and stuff he, there's not a ton of of pushing and shoving down low that you're getting like a you know it's not Shaq out there throwing bows <laughs> you know like that <laughs> yeah. but in the regular season you have lots of teams like that i mean how many can we name off the top of our head it's like, like Jokic, uh even like hassan whiteside's a big dude that you have to contain he can score you have you know Embiid. you have uh, Anthony Davis, I guess, in a way, you have like Aiton is a guy too that, that's coming up. Towns, I mean, there's just there's lots of lots of centers. And somebody brought up the point to me. They're like, well, there's not going to be a lot of suitors for Clint Capella because a lot of teams already have a center. It seems like a lot of teams have centers and point guards mm-hmm. that they're, they're fine with, um, and that's true. For but the same reason why maybe not a ton of people are going to be after Clint Capella because they have centers. It's the reason why the Mavericks need one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they all have centers that, uh, and who said that that Porzingis is going to play the four? Where did we hear that? I, I'm drawing a blank. Um, I want to say Donnie. Yeah, it was in a Donnie thing. Some man. <laughs> the most important person to say that. <laughs> besides, uh, yeah, I think it was Rick. 
I'm pretty sure his exit interviews when uh, I think Saad of all people, I think it was Saad that asked him about the Porzingis position. The Bazinga. Porzinga. <laughs> like it's a that show got canceled, so there you go. <laughs> uh, and that that would be the route that they would lean on that. So, but but if we go back to Julius Randle, I am a fan of Julius Randle, and I am a fan of him coming to Dallas for the right price. Especially if you say, "Hey, Randall is one of it." If this is a, "Hey, take the money and split it two or three ways," and Randall is one of the three guys that you bring in, sign me up for that. If there is a pathway that yeah. you could sign Randall, sign Patrick Beverly, and sign Danny sign a, a Danny Green, Reggie Bullock, um, wow, are those two Tar Heels um, with like wings Jeez. that shoot? Um, sign me up for that. I will. I, I do want to point out this, Julius Randall. His the past three seasons, not uh, past three seasons, not including this past season, from the three point line he shot in starting in 2015, he shot 27 percent, 27, 22. Then this past season, he shot at 34 percent from three. There was never other. There has never been a season in his career that he shot over one three pointer a game. But the but the one season that he did, which one was last per season per game. Yeah, what I say? You said there's not been a season where he hasn't shot more than one, one. three pointer. Per, one three pointer. <laughs> I was like, uh, total. So th- this past season, like literally before this past season, it was like point four, point nine, point five as far as three point uh, attempts per game. This past season, he averaged two point seven threes a game. Yeah, he almost he took two hundred for the season. Yeah, and he shot thirty four percent from three. Now, to give you perspective on that, that's a better three point percentage than Tim Hardaway shot last year, and it's the exact than- same percentage that Dennis Smith Jr. shot last year. So, I think there is a perception out there that Julius Randle is just a horrific three point shooter. It's not ideal, but there is room for improvement. Like there is a there is a sign at that of saying, "Hey, he shot you know two and a half a game at thirty four percent clip." We were sitting there trying to argue that Dennis Smith Jr. was going to work, <laughs> and Tim Hardaway shot thirty one percent. Dwight Powell shot thirty percent. You know, and, you know, Randall shot thirty four percent. It's not like it was twenty four percent or twenty nine percent. Thirty four is not horrific. So, I do want to put that out there. My big, my biggest worry about Randall is there is he is he can handle the ball is sometimes uh, he can get in this zone of hey I'm going to put my head down and just Black try hole. to play make and yeah and make do you know whatever I can on my own. So I I think his athleticism would be would be a good fit. I think it would be um the pace that they that the Mavericks would want to play with yeah. next year with Luka and Porzingis and stuff. I think he would it, it would be fun with that. Yeah, let's uh there's a, there's a whole bunch of more positive. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk more positives about adding Julius Randle. But before we do that, thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring Locked On. If you're looking for a great Father's Day idea, their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com. The promo code is NBA. You get 20% off Untuck It shirts. All right, Isaac, let's focus on some more positives with Julius Randle. We'll stick with Julius Randle. We won't do Miritich today. Maybe we'll do him a different day. Um, but with Julius Randle, what you were getting at before the break I think is really important because he is a guy that can grab a rebound and go. He has a good handle. He grabs boards. And imagine Julius Randle running down the floor with, like, 
Justin Jackson on one side, Luca Porzingis like like streaking down the floor and open for three. Like maybe Luca or Porzingis trailing. I mean, let's go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on, let it. Let's do it. Uh, and Julius Randle's been a pretty good passer too. I've been, I've really liked the way that that he's passed in the NBA so far. That's a difference between having somebody like him and like Dwight Powell out on the floor when when. When Dwight, you know, gets a rebound, Dwight has to be looking for, you know, if if it's a long rebound and let's say Dwight Powell gets a board at like the three point line, you know, he's probably gonna have to stop or you know and wait yeah. for Luca or somebody to come get it. Julius Randle, if it's a fast break, he can handle the ball and he could take it. You know, his decision making sometimes is what gets you in trouble, and you're yeah. like, oh, like it. He would be a he he would be a candidate for a Mavs Academy Award for a no 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 yes uh, at, at times <laughs> for his drives um, his his drives to the basket and then finishes. his drives yes yes but there is a pro in that too of saying you know, in this offense this free flowing offense that Rick likes to play on is this hey fake you know pump fake a three try to get into the paint and kick it out you know Randall does have the ability to put the ball on the floor dribble get to the paint and kick it out. Um, I will say this, looking at his synergy page, last year he had one one area, one category um, that he had a high number of possessions in, in which he had an excellent rating on synergy. As a pick-and-roll man, he had 101 possessions as a, as the pick-and-roll man last year, and he scored at a one, he had a points per possession at a 1.3. He was in the 92nd percentile as a pick-and-roll man last year in New Orleans. So... If there's a category that I want my big man or one of my big men to be uh, something that they're good at, it's pick and roll, and that's something that we've um, kind of harp or you know proclaimed with Dwight Powell that when you look at his pick, as a pick and roll man, he was one of the best in the league last year. He's really great at that. So yeah, there's definitely some um, there's definitely a little bit of worries about that, but I wouldn't be paying Julius Randle a ton of money, but for the right price, I'm definitely on board with that fit. And he's he's good defending out in space too. He's got quick feet. He can defend out in space. That was one thing with the Lakers that they were really they really liked about him is that he can if he gets switched onto a guard he he can he can guard some shiftier guards. Now he's he's not gonna be able to stay in front of you know the best of the best, but he can he's at least serviceable out there and can and can do that. So we'd be worried about guarding bigs. We like the fit offensively for sure. The three point percentage is a little better than we thought. Um, the rebounding is definite plus, but the defensive bigs, the decision making, uh, the black holiness <laughs> of, yeah. of it all are, are things that we are concerned about. Um, any other concerns about Julius Randle? The price wouldn't concern me too much. I mean, he got a lower deal than I thought he was going to get this past summer. So I don't know if that'll yeah. go up or down. Yeah, that, that's a, and I, I do get that. Hey, uh, there is a, an argument to be had of saying, "Hey, there is his numbers inflated because the Pelicans sucked." Yeah, good because stats, he got, bad team guy. Yeah, and and I get that to an extent, but I I, I did watch some of those Pelicans games for you know the second half of the season, and I thought Randall did play a heck, you know heck of a second half, and I think he has improved a lot and. I think your the role would be a question of would you want him starting alongside Porzingis or would you want him trying to help kind of lead a second unit and to where you could let him play make a little bit in that second unit. Yeah, I feel like you I do think, both. Yeah, like I think there there could be you know with with Dwight going to be coming back that whole you know 
I think it'd be kind of matchup based, you know. If you want to put Dwight Powell out there at center in that, you know, starting unit and running with, you know, KP a little bit, and then and like even put Powell at center and KP at four, and then hey, but some lineups you want to swap them and then put Randall out there instead of Powell and run, you know, put KP at the five and and Randall at the four and run this super fast paced, you know, everybody can kind of handle it and stuff. And and if he's shown that improvement in his three point shot and shooting thirty four percent last year. I think there would be an opportunity for him to even get better at sh- you know shooting from the outside here in Dallas because I think a lot of them will be you know some catch and shoot set shot threes and we all know those a little bit better than you know off the dribble shots for sure for sure so we feel positive about the Julius Randle uh, if that was a possibility but we feel that it's more of a like a secondary if they're going to try to go for multiple guys this summer if they try to do the package the the, the Beverly Julius Randle you know, if Julius Randle is the starting center for the Mavericks, do you feel good about it? I think everything just depends about the price. It's just the if is if Julius Randle's the starting center for the Mavericks at sixteen million a year. Eh. <laughs> but if Julius Randle's the starting center for the Mavericks at eleven or twelve, and we have Patrick Beverly and Reggie Bullock too, sign me up. Like that's the type of thing. It's just like you said, if Randall is a bigger thing of three players, you know, two to three other free agent signings, then I'm fine with, even if you walk away from the summer and it's Julius Randall and Patrick Beverly, I know a lot of people out there are saying, man, I would be so bummed because I want want, want a bigger name than that. I want a, you know, I want the third, you know, whatever. I think there is a world in which Randall and Patrick Beverly would. I would be happy if you know if you came out with that and don't. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people that's just that's that's hating on the Julius Randall thing. And I think for the pieces that Dallas have, you know, has right now, I, I think he could fit quite well. For sure, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, I love energy bigs. I love them, and he, he. I love his energy. I love his. Like just his hustle. I love rebounders. I love that. He's not Montrezl Harrell. I'll, I'll, I'll put it there. No, 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 no. He's not, no, that. No, he's he's not, not that. that kind of guy. He does have some up and downs from from what I've watched. That sometimes if he's not super involved in the offense, he can get kind of stand aroundish. <laughs> you know, which, yeah. which guys do. Younger guys do in the NBA, but he's not that kind of a guy. So if you're expecting to get Montrezl Harrell, that's not what you're getting. But you are getting a good rebounder. And a guy that can do some some different things on the floor, which is, in a, in I know we I've threw this out there before about the mindset of having you know, Draymond Green having that mindset is what sets him apart, that he's willing to take that type of role. That when we are comparing Kimba Walker to D'Angelo Russell and how Kimba might have that mindset to be more of the you know sharing load compared to D'Angelo Russell is just now being like, hey, I'm an all star. I want to be that guy. If there is a world in which you bring in Julius Randle and you convince him of saying, listen, you've been in the league four or five years now and you've been on the Lakers and Pelicans and stuff. We have Luka and KP. If there's a world in which you could get to him and say, come to Dallas and we want you to try to emulate that Draymond Green thing. You can you can be that tough nosed guy. You can be a ver- be a versatile defender. We you can handle the ball and bring it up. Like 
but we want you to embrace that type of role because if he could ever reach that point, which I don't know if he can because he just had a 21-8 season, and he could be like, man, I could be a big-time scorer. That could be his mindset, and if that's the case, then I don't know if that's the best fit. But if you can get him to embrace that, like, glue man type of role, a Draymond type of role in this offense, in this team, then that would be the key. It's just hard to do that with young players like that. Lakers fans are hoping for Julius Randle to be the, the Draymond type four since, I don't know, what did he get drafted? Well, you got to have a good coach and organization to pull that off. <sighs> there, was some, there was a year there where he was playing with Swaggy P. And yeah, yeah, struggles, yeah, yeah. Struggles, struggles, Will. There you go. All right, that's Julius Randle. Let us know what you think about it. Tweet me at Nick Van Exit. Tweet Isaac at Isaac L. Harris. Tweet us at Locked On Mavs. Go follow us on Himalaya app. Just download it and follow us. And then go to dark mode because dark mode is better than the regular mode. Uh, and follow us so we can pass Locked On Lakers and Celtics. We're like four behind the Lakers. We have to We have to beat them. They are a dysfunctional franchise. Also, today's show is brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Grip6 Belts are ultra lightweight. They have no holes, Isaac. These belts have zero holes in them. What do you think about a belt with no holes? Uh, that's interesting. Is it just like, how does it stay together? No flap. Ultra lightweight. No holes. I, I'm Sounds at a, like the best kind of belt to do. <laughs> you should go and use this promo code. I am at a point in my life where I'm in blogger shape. And I am having to use more holes in my belt. So not having to remind myself every day that I have to go to a bigger belt size would be, would be great. So I might get a, I might get a grip six belt. Uh, it's a great father's day gift. Go to grip six and they have a special offer for you. Grip com slash lock. That's lock L O C K grip six, the number com slash lock for your belt. Go get one or for your father or for, or for me for Father's Day. Your uncle. Or get one for Isaac for, for Father's Day. It's his first Father's Day. There you go. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.